The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurological Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of this station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, brought to you every Sunday by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, ANS. I'm your host, Tom Wood. Answers Lives is an interactive talk show that brings listeners answers to many questions they have about a broad range of medical conditions, treatments, and advancements from different medical experts in your own community. Good health is created from a solid partnership between patient and physician. Today, we will be discussing stroke. Stroke has become a common topic of discussion, yet it remains an important one that needs clear, concise education and answers to many questions. What is a stroke? What types of strokes are there? How long do I have to seek medical intervention? Where do I go? What's the best treatment? And many more. A few known facts about stroke is that stroke is an emergency. It's a brain attack, cutting off vital flow to oxygen to the brain. In the United States, stroke is the fourth leading cause of death, killing over 133,000 people each year, and a leading cause of serious long-term adult disability. There are an estimated 7 million stroke survivors in the United States over the age of 20. Approximately 795,000 strokes will occur this year, one occurring every 40 seconds and taking a life approximately every four minutes. Stroke can happen to anyone at any time, regardless of race, sex, or age. Approximately 55,000 more women than men have strokes each year, and African Americans have almost twice the risk of of first completed stroke. Now that we have a basic introduction to our topic of stroke, today I want to introduce our guest, Dr. Ronald Benitez from ANS, Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist, located at 310 Madison Avenue in Morristown, New Jersey, with five other offices throughout New Jersey. Dr. Benitez was an assistant professor of neurosurgery at Thomas Jefferson Medical College, Thomas Jefferson University Hospital of Philadelphia. He completed medical school at Georgetown University School of Medicine in Washington, D.C., and then completed his neurosurgical residency at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. Dr. Benitez's residency was done in cerebral vascular surgery and interventional neuroradiology. He is board certified in neurosurgery and is currently the neuroendovascular director here at ANS, as well as Atlantic and Barnabas Health Systems. Welcome, Dr. Benitez. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, we hear a lot about stroke in the media and a lot of stories of people having strokes so often lately. And I want to ask you some straightforward questions. What exactly is a stroke? What happens during that stroke and what types of strokes are there? Well, as I often say, stroke is a very broad topic, kind of like cancer. There are many different types of cancer, and likewise, there are many different types of strokes. Um, Essentially, there's two main categories, uh, ischemic strokes, which are strokes that result from a blockage of blood flow, and hemorrhagic strokes, which are obviously secondary to some bleeding type of event. Uh, Those are the two main uh, types of stroke. And when you're talking about ischemic or blockages, that's different than when you have an aneurysm like you're talking about that actually ruptures. So one is caused by blood into the brain tissue and one is caused by a blocked tissue. Is that what we're saying? Pretty much 80% of all strokes are actually ischemic strokes. And, you know, these are the more common type of strokes that are secondary to high blood pressure, diabetes, smoking. These could be resulting from uh, relatively minor strokes, uh, even temporary strokes, which is what we call TIAs 
to more catastrophic strokes where a larger blood vessel is uh, blocked. Um, the aneurysm, as you mentioned, is the, one of the more common types of a hemorrhagic stroke, which, as you said, is uh, you know a bleeding event that the results in um, spillage of blood into the brain tissue in the areas surrounding the brain. When seeking treatment for one of these types of strokes, I hear a lot of things about time, that time is brain. Um, it's very important to get to the hospital on time, and it's very confusing when you hear all these different talks about certain hours. Can you explain to us um, and the listeners what that means? Well, this has been really a project that has been going on for really a couple of decades now of trying to educate folks that having a brain attack is no different than having a heart attack. And probably the biggest thing, the biggest, the hardest thing for, for folks to understand is that when you have a heart attack, you have a lot of pain. And so that is what prompts people to call 911, prompts them to go to the hospital. But especially with an ischemic stroke or a blockage of blood flow, it's a negative symptom. You lose some sort of function. And uh, oftentimes that's a lot easier for folks to, you know, maybe blow it off, maybe blow it off, you know, not think it'll get better on its own. Um, but really we want everyone to kind of um, treat that the same way that they would treat a heart attack. This is an emergency and you really should be seeking uh, immediate medical attention, even if it's a minor symptom, because that could be a precursor to a larger stroke in the near future. Now you're talking about symptoms. What do, what do I look for? I, I hear there's acronyms out there, FAST, and is that something we should look into? What does that actually mean, FAST, the acronym that I hear out there for stroke? Well, that is a, basically an abbreviated way to, of the most common symptoms to look for. It's asymmetry of your face. It's um, a, you know some sort of uh, asymmetry in motor strength in your arm or leg. Um, also, some change in your speech pattern, whether you lost speech or have gibberish speech or slurred speech. And then time. Time is, is very, very important to kind of uh, get to the hospital, get evaluated to see if anything can be done to either reverse the stroke or prevent it from progressing. That's very interesting. So I've heard a lot of people say they have something called a TIA. A lot of people will ask me questions personally about TIAs, and I always don't really know exactly how to answer them. They say, are they mini strokes? That's what they usually say. Is that a mini stroke? What is a TIA? Is it a mini stroke? Is it something to be concerned with? You hear people having them all the time, yet they don't seek medical treatment. What should be done in that case? Yeah, that's kind of the colloquial term. It's a mini stroke. Uh, technically, it's a transient neurologic event or a neurologic deficit or symptom of some type that resolves within 24 hours. Um, that would be considered a TIA. There is not going to be any residual long-term deficit related to, that, to, to a TIA event, but for instance, folks who have a blockage of the carotid artery in the neck, the first presentation of that might be a TIA, some transient loss of speech, some transient arm numbness or weakness, facial weakness. But if they don't seek medical attention, this carotid stenosis, this blockage in the carotid artery in the neck might lead to a major stroke down the road that really is completely preventable if they seek some sort of medical attention, get that diagnosed, and can get it treated before that happens. Okay. Now, medical attention, that's, that's another thing that sometimes is confusing. Um, you hear a lot of different advertisements for stroke centers throughout the state. Um, where do you go when you have a stroke? Are there centers that are more specific for different types of treatments? I've heard uh, talking about primary centers, comprehensive centers. What is the difference? Where, where would I go? Where would I take a family member if, if someone was having what I thought was a stroke? 
Well, uh, we've been, uh, I would say, very fortunate in the state of New Jersey. And the state of New Jersey has been very proactive at coming up with a, a state designations for what they consider primary and comprehensive stroke centers. So um, the number one thing is if you think you're having a stroke, you should call 911. Uh, ultimately, the EMS or your local emergency squad will get you to the appropriate uh, medical facility. If there's not a comprehensive stroke facility nearby, they would get you to a primary uh, stroke hospital, which they will have had to reach certain um, set of guidelines and procedures have been set up that conform to these state rules and regulations that, uh, that have shown that they are appreciate what a stroke is and can seek timely intervention. They, the New Jersey is actually ahead of the national uh, joint commission um, procedures of accrediting hospitals. And now the joint commission is, has very similar stroke designations that will be nationwide. So we're actually pretty fortunate. There's a very large network of primary uh, and comprehensive stroke hospitals in the state. And uh, generally, if you get call 911, you'll get to a hospital and then they can get you routed to the, to the right place. Well, that's thankful we live in New Jersey. Um, another question I have about the treatment. I hear a lot about that first three hours. Um, the first three hours, there's a, a different type of treatment than after those three hours. Can you go into some types of treatment? And let's start with the ischemic strokes. Um, let's say I'm, I'm having a, an ischemic stroke where there's the blockage of the artery, and I have one of those symptoms, and a family member takes me to one of the appropriate hospitals. What would be done at that moment if I'm having an ischemic stroke in the very within that three-hour period you hear so much about? Well, within that initial period, that's the time period where patients are still going to get uh, this clot-busting, quote-unquote, drug, uh, TPA. Uh, TPA actually has been approved since the early 1990s for use in ischemic stroke, um, and that really is the mainstay. That is the mainstay FDA-approved treatment for ischemic stroke. And I, I'll tell you that over the past couple of years, I've had more instances of, more and more instances of patients, family members, um, raising the question of, you know, my family members having a stroke, aren't they a candidate for this new, for this drug that can be given? Or aren't they a candidate for the next level treatment, which is, uh, which is what we do, which is the endovascular treatment of stroke, which is a little bit more aggressive. And it's really more for the patients who fall outside of that time window. But again, from an education standpoint, that's where, you know, knowing what these procedures are and what's available, you know, this will enable you to, if you don't think that is being offered, you at least have the knowledge that something else may exist and you can ask why, uh, why you're not a candidate or why it's not being offered. And, and actually, we've gotten more and more calls and questions from various hospitals about this saying, hey, there's a patient here. We didn't think they were a candidate. The family brought up the question of, you know, are they a candidate for this other procedure, this endovascular procedure? And uh, I think this is uh, an ongoing trend, which is really good all around. Oh, that's very interesting. So really, education is key when it, when it comes down to this type of treatment. Um, I wanted to ask you another question. If you're outside that three-hour window, uh, what types of treatment? You said this is something we do. Uh, I know Atlantic uh, Neurosurgical Specialists, we are the leaders in stroke, uh, especially uh, at the comprehensive centers in the state. Um, can you explain what is it that we actually do here? Uh, basically, for those patients who are not a candidate for the intravenous uh, clot-busting drug, TPA, if it looks like for the worst of the worst strokes, the, the largest, the larger vessels being occluded, 
Uh, we have a variety of devices that are used to either aspirate out or use a device uh, to to add, to suck out or pull out these larger clots and open up the vessels. So it's uh, for those patients who are not a candidate for IV TPA or who've gotten IV TPA and still are not any better. Uh, this time window is really up to eight hours, and there's a lot of work being done to even extend that even further based upon some um, specialized type of brain imaging uh, that is coming online. Okay, we're going to go to the phones now. We have Ellen from Morristown. Good morning, Ellen. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. How are you today? Well, I had a question for you. Sure. My dad, um, unfortunately, had a stroke. I'm going to say it was probably now like six months ago. And um, he's he's doing pretty good. Um, but I was just curious, like, how how much better do you think he'll get? Like, I don't necessarily think he'll be dad again, but, like, how much, I mean, he's, he's had progress, but, like, how much progress, like, do you expect when someone has a stroke, like, with their speech and, and, and all of that? Like, what can we expect, kind of? I don't know if you can answer that. So you're basically asking when when will he improve or how much will he improve? Yeah, I guess, if you say it the easy way. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great question, uh, and certainly a question we get all the time. Generally, I find that almost all patients will get some improvement after they've had a stroke. The hard part about it is how much improvement were, or is going to be expected. And sometimes you can make a educated, some educated assumptions based upon the severity of the initial stroke, based upon some of the MRI or imaging studies done after the stroke, how the patient is done in the first week um, to kind of get a sense, is, is this going to be a lot of recovery? Is it going to be 80, 90, 90 plus percent recovery? Or is it going to be, you know, 20, 30, 40 percent recovery? So sometimes how things have kind of you know, transpired over the initial time period gives you some sense. But I think the overwhelming majority of patients do improve, do get better over time. That is usually months and years in the making, though, in terms of, you know, the full recovery process is up to two years and in some cases even longer than that. Thank you very much. Great. You're welcome. That was Ellen from Morristown. Okay, getting back to where we were before the caller called in, I wanted to touch base again a little bit more on treatments. Um, you were describing the more advanced treatments that you do at Atlantic Neurosurgical, um, and I hear a lot of different um, devices that are used, especially the Mercy device. Can you explain what that Mercy device is, and is there anything else coming out that's new that people should know about? Well, being... Being the, f the fact that the Mercy device was really the first mechanical device that uh, was available for the uh, treatment of acute strokes, the procedure oftentimes has been called, been called the Mercy procedure. Um, we really have tried to get away from that. And, you know, if you're at the ho you know, for those folks I talked to at the hospital, really more technically, we call it a mechanical thrombolysis, basically thrombolysis, breaking up the clot or removing the clot through a variety of mechanical means. Um, really now we've uh, transitioned through, in a very short period of time, the Mercy device was FDA approved in 2005. And really within seven years, we have had three or four iterations of the Mercy device. We now have aspiration catheters and we have uh, several other devices. The most recent one is, a, is a, basically a new class of devices that we call stent trievers which are basically stents that are very similar that are used in the heart, but they're actually used to restore blood flow and also to extract the clot. So 
the field is really in its infancy. It's really less than 10 years old. And uh, I think uh, we will look back at this time frame 10 years from now and really kind of be amazed at, at uh, the devices we used to be able, we used to have and, and see how much it has progressed. I think we're really just in the beginning phases of what we'll be able to do for acute stroke uh, intervention. Wow, that sounds amazing. Um, touching again with treatments, we were discussing treatments for ischemic strokes, um, but in the beginning you said there's another type of stroke, which <clears throat> is hemorrhagic strokes, which, um, real quick, what causes a hemorrhagic strokes? Um, what causes that? You said aneurysm. Is anything else that would cause that, and how do we treat that? Well, really, actually, uh, for all comers to the hospital, the most common cause of a hemorrhagic stroke today is probably still hypertension. A hypertensive hemorrhage is really, really, when you think about it, all too common, given the fact that we have an absolutely tremendous number of blood pressure medications that one can take. But, you know, it is still called the silent killer because if you don't get your blood pressure checked, you don't know it's high. And so this kind of gets back to a lot of stroke treatment. You know, I kind of live on a very acute, emergent you know, device-intensive end-of-stroke care, but a lot of it really is also goes back to the primary care level where a lot of these can actually be prevented, and hypertensive strokes is probably the most the best example of that, which is taking your blood pressure medicine, getting it checked, right? not just taking it, but then you got to get your blood pressure checked. Getting your uh, glucose checked is all really important. In terms of uh, the aneurysm treatment, you know, that really is what made endovascular neurosurgery um, really brought that field into its own. Uh, the, the endovascular treatment, which is uh, oftentimes called coiling, really has been around since 1994, um, and it really has revolutionized aneurysm treatment today. Easily 80% of all brain aneurysms treated uh, by us at our group and really in many places nationally are treated endovascularly, which is a, through a groin puncture rather than a regular quote-unquote brain operation where we make an incision in your head. Now, after these procedures, um, is this a serious procedure? Is it, is it like having brain surgery? Is it is it done in a surgical environment? Where, where do you do this in the hospital? Yeah, it's done, you know, in a in a radiology, you know, suite, which is oftentimes in a in a operating room. Um, and I still think it's brain surgery. I mean, uh, it's not. You don't have the physical manifestations in some sense that you've had brain surgery. You know, your head isn't shaved. You don't have a big incision on your head, but it's still brain surgery. It's just from the inside out. And so it's still, uh, you know, it's still a big deal, but it's, uh, again, definitely a huge improvement from where we were even a decade ago. Wow, that's just remarkable. Um, thank you for explaining those treatments. Now that we have the treatments down, um, what happens after a stroke? Uh, going back to our caller, um, when she was asking about um, will her father get better, um, what does the brain? Does the brain actually heal from a stroke? Um, I know you, you explained a little bit, but will patients see some improvement if they get to the hospital sooner than later? Does age have something to do with it? Um, you hear a lot of different things about, you know, elderly patients have more strokes and they don't do as well. Why is that? Well, I think it's true for neurologic diseases across the board, uh, whether it's a stroke or whether it's trauma. The younger you are, you know, the more capacity it seems like your brain has to recover, the more reserve capacity the brain has. It's not to say you won't recover uh, if you're in your seventh or eighth decade of life. After a stroke, it just, it's just a little bit harder. Um, the whole concept that 
neuroplasticity. This is the brain's ability to to regenerate, the brain's ability to recover from an injury. You know, we used to think that we lost that after after childhood, but I think there's an, uh, a growing consensus that there is some elements of plasticity that are still possible. There are still, you know, some significant, tremendous gains that can be made during the rehabilitation process. And so, uh, you know, you'd be, you'd be surprised. I have patients who basically never were out of a bed, you know, walk back into the ICU to meet the nurses who took care of them so, for so long. So it does happen. It's very variable, very patient-dependent, very kind of situation-dependent, but it, it, it's, it can be quite remarkable. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I want to touch on um, after the, the rehab part of it. I hear a lot of different people after strokes do have symptoms that are very hard for them to, to deal with, like a d- depression or, or um, just feeling, feeling helpless and, and maybe they're not going to get better. Um, are there better rehab programs? Uh, should someone seek some type of therapy after having an ischemic or a hemorrhagic stroke to help them get back to normal? Because I think after having either of these strokes, a patient is never what, quote unquote, they might feel is normal again. And how do you explain that to patients? Where, where should they go? Who do they speak to to get that help after a stroke? Uh, many patients, you know, leaving the hospital while they're kind of getting close to the end of their hospital stay will be referred to a rehab, you know, facility. Um, most of the major rehab facilities have a specialized stroke treatment um, rehab program. Uh, a lot of that includes neurocognitive therapy, so a cognitive evaluation and, and cognitive remediation, they call it. Um, this touches on things like, um, you know, depression, short-term memory loss, um, changes in personality. So it's really kind of nowadays integrated in many programs into their general physical therapy, you know, which is kind of what we think of when we think of rehab is just the physical component of it. But the neurocognitive component, you know, really has become a, a big part of it. And I think a lot of it comes out of the stroke rehab, but it also comes out of a lot of the therapy that's done for concussion, which is just a different type of brain injury. That's very interesting. So now Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, basically being the leaders in stroke care in New Jersey, do you have specific um, centers that you work with? Do you, do you work with the better stroke rehab centers in the state? Do you look for specific things when you're sending a patient somewhere? Um, the, the main thing is that they have a dedicated you know, stroke unit, a dedicated stroke rehabilitation. Uh, and I, I think nowadays, from what I've seen, um, really for most of North Jersey, even down to the to Ocean County, is that uh, all of the major rehabilitation centers, you know, will have these sorts of uh, uh, programs available. That's great. Um, what, is, what do we look for in the future of stroke? Do you see, what are the new treatments coming out? Where do you foresee stroke in 10 to 15 years um, as far as treatment? And um, will we be able to prevent stroke? Is that possible? Oh, yeah. The best, the best prevention is the primary care and uh, really what they call the secondary stroke prevention, which is after you've had a stroke. And again, it's managing uh, blood pressure, diabetes, smoking, um, cholesterol. You know, these are all things that can be, you know, directly affected and changed and your risk profiles uh, improved by following up on it and, and, and uh, the medical therapy available. On the treatment side, you know, I think we will get better. You know, there'll be devices that are, are more effective and are safer to use. But I think some of the biggest advantages are going to be coming in on the imaging side of identifying, you know, patients that we can help, we could treat 
even if they don't fall within specific time parameters. And if we can kind of open those time parameters up a little bit, I think we can open up these potential treatments to a, a wider range of uh, patients. So it looks like the future of stroke is definitely improving. Um, I guess it was like years ago with heart attack. That was the, the, the big buzzword out there was heart attack. Uh, the buzzword now is brain attack. Um, it looks like there's a lot of positive uh, movement um, as far as treatment, treatment centers, um, new, new techniques to do that. Um, Atlantic Neurosurgical, being the leaders in stroke care, um, just now that we have you on the air, what else does your group actually specialize in um, now that we have you on the air? We know that we specialize in stroke care, but I also wanted to dis, uh, discuss other, other sides of your group. Uh, we have a wide range, of really a cover the broad spectrum of uh, neurosurgery from uh, minimally invasive uh, spine surgery, minimally invasive brain surgery, uh, tumor surgery, epilepsy surgery, um, you know, kind of uh, have uh, various um, people within the group who have fellowship training in those areas. And, um, you know, our goal is to kind of match up the patient with whatever their specific problem is with the, with the right surgeon. That's, that's awesome. And I also hear that you specialize in um, something called acoustic neuromas. Um, that was uh, interesting. A few people were asking me questions on that. Can you briefly, before the end of our show, explain what that is and um, how, we, how we treat that? Uh, it's a, a special type of uh, uh, brain tumor that occurs uh, back really behind your ear, can oftentimes affect a balance in hearing. Um, it's a benign tumor, so uh, it's not cancer per se. And uh, we have a, a multidisciplinary group uh, out of uh, Overlook Hospital that, um, you know, will treat these patients, whether that be surgically with uh, removal or with uh, something called stereotactic radiosurgery, which is a uh, focused beam of uh, radiation used to kind of stop the tumor from growing. Wow. This is just such amazing things going on in this field. Um, I wanted to let our listeners know that Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, um, being the largest uh, in the state, what hospitals basically do you work out of? I know it's uh, Atlantic Health System and Barnabas, and I also hear Meridian Health Systems. Yeah, down in uh, Neptune, New Jersey. Wow, that's a, a large territory. That must be an amazing uh, group. Um, well, thank you very much, Dr. Benitez. This was very, very informative. I hopefully answered all um, your questions today that everyone had, and uh, look forward to our next show uh, next Sunday. Thanks, Tom. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurological Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program.